Staying at home due to COVID-19 has been a great time to catch up on some documentaries. This week included Expo Magic of the White City, produced in 2005 by Mark Bussler for Inicom Entertainment Company. The White City was the nickname of the World's Columbian Exposition, hosted on Chicago's lakefront in 1893, intended to commemorate the 400th anniversary of the voyage of Columbus that introduced the Americas to Europeans. The exposition brought us our first encounters with, among other things, the Zipper, Cracker Jacks, Pat's Blue Ribbon Beer, and of course, the world's very first Ferris wheel. Most Chicagoans who have any interest in Chicago history have at least a passing knowledge of this event. And I must say that this documentary, produced in what has come to be referred to as the Ken Burns style, is comprised primarily of drawings and photos from the period with voiceover narration and music bringing the subject to life in a way that no book could really accomplish. To begin, the images used in this film are very high quality and pristine, and the script is very well written, giving the viewer a virtual, in-depth tour of the massive exposition. When I say massive, I mean it. Certainly, America had never seen anything quite like it. The very first Ferris wheel dominated the city's landscape at 264 feet tall, or about the height of a 20-story building. By comparison, the current Ferris wheel on Navy Pier is just under 200 feet tall, with 42 cars that can hold about 414 passengers total. The original Ferris wheel, built for the fair, could hold about 40 to 60 passengers in each car, with a total load of more than 2,000 men, women, and children. The expo featured many interesting and impressive buildings, but the manufacturer's building was easily the greatest of them all. At more than a third of a mile long and nearly a sixth of a mile wide, with a roof supported on gigantic steel trusses soaring to 210 feet in height, making it about 250,000 square feet larger than the current McCormick Place South Building. At the time, it was the largest building ever constructed and by comparison was four times as large as the Roman Colosseum and was said to have the potential to fit over 300,000 people with plenty of elbow room. The fairgrounds were the inspiration of urban planner Frederick Law Olmsted, who had recently completed New York Central Park. It was his idea to put the expo on the lakefront by draining and converting a then unusable swamp into what is now known to Chicagoans as Jackson Park. The area stretched from 56th Street on the north, south to 67th Street, and from Stony Island east to the lake. Outside the official fairgrounds was the roughly two-block-wide midway, featuring less formal exhibits and activities, that stretched another mile west through what is now the campus of the University of Chicago. Sadly, the buildings constructed for the World's Columbian Exposition were purposefully intended only for short-term use and were demolished almost immediately after the event concluded. The lone impressive exception was the Fine Arts Building, which insurers insisted must be fireproof and substantial enough to protect the unprecedented array of artwork housed within. Ultimately, this building was converted to become the Museum of Science and Industry and is still one of the jewels of Chicago's lakefront. At nearly two hours, this documentary still only scratches the surface of the over 100 miles of streets, paths, and aisles, leading to a dizzying array of agriculture, art, music, consumer goods, and modern inventions that made up the exposition. 
This documentary is produced by a Philadelphia company and narrated by Milwaukee native Gene Wilder. But hey, though Chicago was host to the Columbian Exposition, it belonged to the world. I'm personally a huge fan of Gene Wilder, but I'm not sure he was the best choice for this project, as his voice quality is a bit flat and its affect devoid of the kind of enthusiasm that might have kicked the excitement level up a bit. In regard to the Ken Burns comparison, Burns will generally use multiple voices representing various historical characters, adding a sense of dramatic performance to his productions. I suspect for budgetary reasons, this documentary by Bustler utilizes only Wilder's voice and in so doing makes this more of a tour-style lecture and less of a historical documentary. Another criticism worth mentioning is Bustler's use of live action to augment the otherwise static images. Though an admirable idea, I think many of the clips are assaultingly visually in conflict with the historic images. Most notably, video of a very modern-looking belly dancer used to suggest the exotic sideshows offered on the famous Midway, including Little Egypt and other women representing then little-known world cultures. Aside from a few of my personal production preferences, this documentary is well worth watching if you want a glimpse of a period in time when Chicago was literally the center of the world, full of goodwill with prospects of building a lasting peace through industry and trade. I watched this via Roku using the free Tubi app, but I'm sure you can find it available through other digital or online resources as well, or by ordering the DVD. Just look for Expo Magic of the White City. Thanks to Julie Lovison of the Lakeshore Music Studio providing piano lessons for all ages in Chicago's Gold Coast, Old Town, Lincoln Park area for the background music used in this podcast. The song is called The Song of the Ferris Wheel, published in 1893 by the Chicago Music Company. We found it on the Library of Congress website and will include the PDF version on our website so that you can enjoy the lyrics. This is Reno Lovis, an executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com, reminding you to share, like, and subscribe to this podcast to be alerted when new content is added. If you have an historical or family history video project you would like to have produced, check out RenoWeb.net. Be sure to look for our podcast summaries of local news produced in association with Inside Publications. In the meantime, we'll just have Julie conclude with one more verse of The Song of the Ferris Wheel.